You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, hey, hey! What is going on, everybody? I hope everything is fine and groovy and awesome in your neck of the woods. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about this episode, I'm not going to lie. So many of you have emailed asking over the years, I think I said like 10 or 12, and then I uh, looked back, and it's a lot more than that, so we're, we're around the 20 mark. So a lot of you have requested Sarah on the on the program before, so this is going to be, this is going to be really fun, I think you guys are going to really enjoy it, and... Even better, she did stick around for a little bit of Patreon action, so there will be more of us discussing a whole bunch of nonsense over on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash tonemob, you can see the different levels that are available there, but at $5, $5 a month, that's all it is, you get extra episodes transported directly to your ears that nobody else gets to hear. That's right, nobody else gets to hear those ones, those are just for you. So yeah, uh, if you want to slide over and check that out, that would be awesome. And without further ado, we're just going to get right into this episode with Sarah. So enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Sarah Lipstate. How's it going? Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, it's going... Today's going pretty well, I have to say. That's good so, to hear. I'm happy to be here talking to you. Yeah, this is a, this is fun. I have to say, I, I think I said this in the initial email, but you're probably one mm-hmm. of the most requested guests. Probably had about... Wow. 12 to 15 different individuals asked for you over the last year or so. So this is, wow. a, this is a real treat. I'm excited. Yeah, that is. Um, I'm, I'm very flattered and uh, happy, happy that the, the people made this happen. It's all about the people. We just, we're just <laughs> yeah, here trying to give g- the people what they want. Exactly. That's the only reason we do any of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, let's not, uh, let's not take... Like too long. Let's there, there's. I've got a whole list of questions for you, and uh, most a lot questions. of it gener- yeah generated All from right. the, from the Facebook group. But before we get into that, I feel like we need to start where I always start. Like, and yours mm-hmm. is probably pretty fascinating. What is your musical backstory? How did you? You didn't just like all of a sudden wake up one day to a huge pedal board. Like, how did uh, how I did, did not. you? Be- yeah, how no. did th- how did this happen? <laughs> Uh, so I, I didn't start playing guitar until I was 17 and, um, it was, you know, I, I, I had a little bit of a musical background in that my, my parents started me, um, playing piano when I was in second grade. So I did that for eight years and then I played the trombone in middle school and high school. Um, so when I, uh, started getting really into Sonic Youth and decided I wanted to get a guitar and like make noise rock, (laughs) um, I, I, I told my parents and, you know, they had been really supportive of, uh, me exploring, um, music, but with the guitar, they, they weren't really that excited about it so it took me a little (laughs) while I think I was probably 16 when I told them I wanted a guitar and they did end up getting me uh, an acoustic guitar for Christmas uh and I was I was um that was I was like oh you know technically yes this is a guitar it's what I asked for but I was like I, I really 
wanted an electric guitar. So I got a summer job and um, saved up enough money to buy like the cheapest Dan Electro they had in the store. Um, and so that's how I started out, had a Dan Electro electric guitar and uh, one of their uh, Dirty 30 practice amps. So, um, yeah, that was how I, um, began my, my journey with the guitar. And, um, I grew up in, in Lafayette, Louisiana and, uh, you know, music stores we had were all local, like independently owned. Um, I worked at one of them. That was my summer job. Um, I was out in the back cleaning they rented um they rented instrument like uh band instruments okay to kids and uh my job was to uh clean the brass instruments oh you got to clean all the little kids spit out of the instruments it was no it was so gross so i was in this I, I usually refer to it as a shack. It was like a shack behind the music store. And um, I was in a little room that had like a, a rusted clawfoot tub. And it had these like plastic trash cans filled with this acidic solution. Mm. So I had to wear these, these, I had to wear these rubber gloves and dip like the trumpets dip all the instruments in the trash can with the cleaning solution. And I remember one time I put a, a cornet into the, the solution and a cockroach floated out mm. and it was just like so disgusting. But yeah, I had to um, clean out the trombones. You have to use this little like snake tool. Um, it has these like bristles on it and you have to clean it out. So anyway, I did that for a whole summer and um and got my my dan electro so uh yeah those shops they didn't have um you know huge selection of guitar pedals and um but i did buy my my first guitar pedal from lafayette music and it was an ibanez um ts7 oh sweet sweet so that was my very first pedal and um Luckily, I um, when I graduated high school, I went to college um, in Austin at UT. And, you know, if you've been to Austin, it's a pretty big music city. And they had a lot of music stores there. And um, so that was where I really um, started exploring effects. Um, there were places that rented, you know, music equipment where you could go and um, rent pedals. So I could go and, you know, spend a little money just to, to have play around with the pedal for a week or two and um, figure out, you know, if, if it was something that I really needed to have. And um, I went to the pawn shops a lot and, you know, see just all kinds of different things in there. And um, so it was a much, um, it was a much better environment for me to kind of explore things without necessarily having to, you know, uh, spend a lot of money, which as a college student is, uh, is a good thing. It's a primary concern for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it was, it was really fun. Um, so while, so I, I guess my freshman, sophomore year, um, I added, in addition to the TS7, I added um, a Boss DD6 delay, um, got my first Line 6 DL4, and I got the um, Moog, the um, ring modulator. Okay, gotcha. So I I remember very distinctly like having just those few effects, you know, especially the looper um, that was that allowed me to first um, experiment with guitar soundscapes and just you know plugging in on my own and um, 
you know, working, working that way, as opposed to just playing with other people. Um, so that really um, kind of opened up my world a lot uh, and showed me just the, uh, the benefits of um, having, having a pedal board. Did you start did you start playing by yourself the way you do or were you playing with other musicians at this point first? Um so yeah, when I was still in Louisiana, um I didn't know anyone else who played um and uh one of the coolest things so I did get uh for Christmas the, the next year after I had saved up and bought my electric guitar, my parents did buy me a Fostex uh cassette four track oh sweet so probably that was my first experiments with recording um you know layered guitar soundscapes uh was with that so that um was a way for me you know feeling feeling pretty isolated with without having people to play with to kind of um, you know, get some creative satisfaction and just record little demos on these cassette tapes. Um, when I, when I, uh, moved to Austin, then I started meeting other people who, um, played music and, you know, were into the same types of bands that I was into. So I did start playing with other people uh, I kind of ha had a band with, um, two girlfriends that I met there where my friend Baxter and I, she also played guitar and we were just like, it was back in the day when you're like walking down the street and you would see a flyer right? <laughs> that would say like, you know, uh, drummer and singer looking for other musicians. These are the type of bands we, we like. So we met a drummer that way and you know, we never played any shows or anything, but the three of us would get together and just play music. And, um, so that was happening at, you know, while I was still at my house, just in my bedroom with my headphones on, um, playing just, you know, looping and playing stuff on my own. So, um, yeah, it kind of evolved in in parallel i would say um but it was really nice to to meet other like like-minded musicians and just have other people to connect with and uh not feel so isolated um so it, that was a really great experience playing with them that's great <clears throat> yeah it's a, it's something else playing with the uh, with others it's a it's kind of a weird you get sometimes when, when everything's firing and, you know, on all cylinders, you get linked up in mm -hmm. this weird, almost, uh, it almost feels like psychic way. <laughs> it's like, you yeah. know, you know what's coming, even though you don't know what's coming and it all just works. It's, it's strange. Yeah. But what, what you do, I think, and I think because a lot of people try to do a similar thing, albeit not as successfully, uh, you know, mm -hmm. namely people like me. Uh, so, so, uh, but your, your sound and how you build and create things is so unique. Do you have any like sort of baseline rules that you go by when you're creating a new piece? I don't, um, I don't have any, any kind of set process that I follow or like in terms of rules, you know, I, um, Sometimes, I don't know, uh, sometimes the, the pedals come first and sometimes I just mess around with my guitar unplugged and come up with something and then um, see what happens when I plug into my effects. But no, no, uh, my approach is just kind of... Um, I don't know, developed over uh, many years of this weird kind of um, weird journey with with the guitar. Uh, so I, I don't I don't really have have any answers for you. 
<laughs> in that regard. So I have to keep regard. floundering by myself until I find figure it out. That's what that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Least. Okay. I can do yeah. that. I'm a good flounderer, I suppose. Sure. That's all I do. <laughs> Flop around <laughs> try to figure it out. Do, so do you do you have any did you have like like I want to be a musician with this stuff? Like some of the some of the what you're describing almost seems like it's it's sort of those everything fell into place type moments, or was this intentional? Um, no, I, I knew that I wanted to play music, but I didn't think that it was going to become like the primary driving thing in my life. Um, I didn't study music in college. I studied film, got my degree in film. It was always like what I did when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. Like when I wasn't uh, in class or wasn't, you know, doing um, like working on school projects or whatever. It was just how I spent my free time and uh, how I kind of navigated my social world, how I connected with people. You know, I, uh, I started dating a guy. Um, we dated pretty much throughout my whole college time and uh, we started playing music together and started a band together so it's just like how how I related to people um so I don't know I don't know at what point I I think it was probably a very scary moment um much later on when I realized like oh no I'm gonna try to like make a living doing this and this is gonna be my primary identity and you know uh, I think that was probably terrifying. It's still terrifying thinking about that. Um, but it just, it just, that's how things evolved. And, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, yeah. It seems like a, a wild ride. And also I can relate to you. Because, yeah. <laughs> because that's yeah. very much, very much a similar, similar situation for me. It's always, Mm-hmm. been a huge important part for me but never never yeah. did I actually think it was going to be my primary driver either and now here we are right which is wild yeah you know I, I definitely have friends you know who went to to school for guitar and studied it and you know I have no training on guitar at all I never took any lessons I didn't want to learn how I didn't want someone to tell me how to play the guitar. Um, I was very stubborn about that. <laughs> um, so, you know, to to find myself in the position I'm in is it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around sometimes. But um, I'm very grateful to be here. Do you remember your first solo show? Am yes. I- can we can we talk about that? Because that sounds like it would be particularly nerve wracking, especially considering was, yeah how you do things all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, so it was it was interesting because I I started releasing um, tracks and like little EPs under the name Noveller. Um, so for people who don't know, I I perform and release music under the moniker Noveller. Uh, so music was kind of out there floating around, um, starting around 2005. And while I was still living in Austin, you know, I'd gotten asked to play a show here and there, but for whatever reason, they never actually came to fruition. So it wasn't until I graduated college and I moved to Brooklyn in 2007 that the first real show opportunity came about. And um, the show was actually a festival uh, called Sonic Circuits in Washington, D.C. And yeah, I was so... I was, I was really intimidated. I was really terrified and uh, I had to figure out how, yeah, how to do, how to do a solo performance, you know? Um, 
So what I came up with, and this is like all the earliest novella shows, um, the guitar I used was uh, an Epiphone SG double neck. Oh, sweet. That I I did not wear it. I did not play it in like a traditional guitar. I uh, laid it flat on a keyboard stand. And I had, you know, I had my violin bow, which is something I still use a lot. Um, I had two ebos. That's the great thing about having two necks is you can have like two ebos going. Oh, you can do wow. all kinds of like really fun melodic drones. I've even gotten three ebos going on a double neck because you have like the 12 string and the six string neck. So I've gotten three ebos going. But at the time I had two ebos. You know, I think I had like a, a slide and then I had my um, I had my little pedal board and my looper. So I think I came up with it was probably like 15, maybe 20 minutes of music. And, you know, it was it was fairly planned out. Um, it was it was pretty. Um, you know, it was pretty experimental and, and loose so it wasn't like this like rigid compositions but it was like a kind of a planned out thing and um yeah i played my first show uh sonic circuits and um it was yeah it was it was an incredible feeling and um you know i don't think i'll forget forget it um and I have some great photos from that performance as well. Even so, better. You know. I'd love to see some of those. Are they up on the gram anywhere or anything like that? Or those? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where are they? Um, can I look at other things while we're recording on my phone? If you got good internet, probably so. Probably so. Okay. Or we can just link back to it later. That's probably. That's probably yeah, we'll, we can do that. I don't want to jeopardize our recording. Yeah, but, um, we'll put that in the show notes for, for later people to, okay. to view. We can put a link in there. It'll be easy. Yeah, it would be fun to look back and see if I can make out like everything that's on my pedal board. But I'm sure it's it's the pedals I mentioned earlier. Um, Which does but, yeah. kind of kind of go into a nice segue that'll probably take a while. So uh, okay. I think this uh-huh. this will be a nice thing to do. So from the, the Facebook group, uh, we have lots of questions, actually. We won't. I already told okay. them we're not getting to all of these. <laughs> so there's just too, there's just too many. Uh, but so going from this first rig, we kind of have a good idea what that is to the current rig, because Emily Harris wants to know, quote, all about her stereo setup. So as much uh, detail as you can provide, the nerds are hungry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my stereo setup, it's really um, when I started going um, using two amps and going in stereo, it really um, – was a game changer for me. Um, and now I, so I just, the newest pedal, um, on my board is the, the tri parallel mixer. Oh yeah. The new electro harmonics, um, mixer. So I just got that set up. So things are very, very exciting. Um, but yeah. So yeah. So I'm trying to think at what point things, split off into stereo you know i have all my um have the all like the mono pedals like the um the mel 9 the synth 9 then i have my um my overdrives and fuzzes i just got a a, a super fuzz pedal which i'm really excited the, about the old univox um, one right Yes. Yeah. I got, you know, like the, the classic orange and blue, uh, super fuzz. So I think from that point, from the super fuzz, it goes into, um, the even tide H nine. And from that point on, everything's in stereo. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, 
So I think at the moment it go, I can pull up a picture. It goes from the H9 into the, um, the Empress of the Zoya. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> That's supercomputer level already. Yeah. Yeah. And then, is that an old photo? Is that a current photo? The Zoya. And then I have the, um, the Maris petals. Oh, yes. So, um, I've exper- been experimenting with having the auto bit in there. Um, because I'm trying to recreate this, like, you know, bit crushed reverby sound, but I don't think that's in there at the moment. But, you know, the Poly Moon and the Mercury 7. Uh, and then things get a little funny because I'm obsessed with the, um, the reverb delay on the, the Chase Bliss mood pedal. Uh-huh. Yes. But that's not in stereo. So I have to branch off from the Mercury 7 reverb and have, like, you know, the right channel go straight into one of the amps and then the left channel go into the mood. So you're only getting the the mood coming out of um, one of the amps. Gotcha. But I, I like I, I can't not have it because it sounds so good. Um, I'm really into that. Um, but that's how things are working at the moment. Um, that's that's yeah. that's, so that's I incredible. Think I answered that question. <laughs> a- yeah, I mean, oh I th- wait, I have the avalanche run in there too. I was going to say no avalanche run. I thought that was a yeah, staple. Yeah, I have the avalanche run. Uh so I yeah, I had to take the H so I'm, ugh, things are confusing right now cuz I have two separate boards. Right. I have a board for um So I did I I worked on the new Iggy Pop record. I wrote um, three like soundscape pieces for the album. Um, we're going to be doing some promo stuff. Uh, so I had to learn the other songs, which are not <laughs> ambient soundscape songs. They're like more, you know, Iggy Pop rock songs. Right. So um, we're going to be playing one of the songs um, on the Jimmy Fallon show. So I have like a little, my pedal train nano set up with just what I need to play this pretty straightforward song. So I had to take the H9 off my board for that. But, um, and then I had, then I took the avalanche run off. Anyway, yes, avalanche run is in the mix. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Well, can we just rewind that whole thing and talk about working with Iggy Pop for crying out loud? That's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's. I would love to talk about it because it's like you know a pretty uh, mind blowing. um, It's a mind blowing thing, you know. I have a picture of myself uh, when I was eighteen, wearing an Iggy Pop shirt. No way. Playing, playing my guitar. Playing. I'm playing this like uh, Mexican. Fender Strat, wearing my Iggy Pop shirt. I'm 18, and it's like you know, fast forward to 2019, and it's like I, I'm playing with him. <laughs> that's insane. That's so insane. I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, that's yeah. for it's, for for people who are you know are into that type of music. I mean, that is that is that is our Elvis, you know, in some ways. Like that is yeah. our yeah. you know Stooges, our king of rock and roll. The Stooges were everything to me um you know so um yeah i'm definitely uh experiencing this opportunity at very much as a fan um so you know it carries that extra weight um and it's very meaningful but um yeah how, so, how did it happen um, though does it just he found found you or like you met, I will met tell at the you. Right Let me party? tell you how it happened. I'm ready. Okay? I'm ready. <laughs> um, so I, you know, been putting out albums as noveller um, for many years, um, and 
just so happens Iggy has a radio program that he does for BBC Six. Okay. And in August of 2015, people started posting on my Facebook saying, Sarah, I can't believe I just heard Iggy playing one of your songs on his radio show. And I was like, what? And it's like someone posted a link to it. So I remember I was driving in the car with my mom. I was visiting my family in Louisiana. And I was like, mom, we have to stream um, Iggy's radio show because people are saying he played one of my songs. So we're streaming it. And there it was. He played one of my songs um, off my album, Fantastic Planet. And not only that, he he played it, and then he like you know talked about it and wow. said that he had like watched some videos of me on YouTube playing, and I forget the words he used, but he basically said really nice things about me as a performer and a guitar player and a musician, and I just had the biggest smile on my face. Like that was probably to date like one of the happiest moments <laughs> for me. I don't know how so you I could was just like that. psyched by that, <laughs> you know, like that was enough for me. And um, so, yeah, that was in the summer of 2015. So if we fast forward to the, the beginning of 2016, I get a phone call from my booking agent. Um, let's say like Jan- mid-January saying, um, <laughs> uh hey, I just got an inquiry to see if you were available to go on tour with Iggy Pop and Josh Homme. And I was like, what? So anyway, yeah. Like I, Iggy I am, as a matter me, of fact, available. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was insane. But anyway, so Iggy had um, invited me to open uh, open for him on the tour he was doing they were supporting uh, an album called Post Pop Depression that he made with Josh Homme. Josh, uh, also, he produced the album and he played on it. Uh, and it was like Dean Fertitta from Queens of the Stone Age um, also played on it. And um, it was just, yeah, this really crazy opportunity. Um, so that eventually happens. The tour started in March. So, all of a sudden I'm, you know, on stage opening for Iggy and we did a total of 17 shows together. And, um, so over the course of that, you know, it's not like Iggy, he pretty much, we, we did like one big dinner, um, after one of the shows, you know, he kind of, he just like, he saves up his energy all day for, to just give an incredible performance and then he kind of just you know does his own thing so it's not like we became really um really close on the tour but anyway so that's how he became familiar with my music and what I do so um I guess 2018 I just got an email from Iggy's manager Henry um saying hey uh you know I think he said, like, Iggy doesn't know that I'm sending this to you, but um, here's a recording of him doing a spoken word piece. I was wondering if maybe you could put some music to it and, um, you know, I'll play it for him and, you know, just like don't have any expectations, but I just thought it would be cool to send this to you. So that was how things started. Wow. I recorded like a soundscape to that and sent it off. And he's like, oh, Iggy really likes it. And then like months later, uh, another email like, hey, here's another piece. <laughs> here's another like vocal. Um, you, you know, Iggy really likes. Uh, I did a I did an all guitar cover of the theme from John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. And Iggy oh, had yes. heard that. And he really liked it. And he was like, um, Iggy wants to know if you can do something kind of inspired by the, you know, this thing. And so I did that and he was like, Oh, Iggy really loves it. And so that was like months and months later. And it's like, I've forgotten that this has even happened. And then it's like, 
hey, so we want to put those tracks out on like the album. And uh, <laughs> wow. And now here, here we are. So the album's coming out on September 6th. And we're going to be doing, um, yeah, just some promo stuff for it. Um, but uh, it's been just a very, um, very kind of surreal experience as as you can imagine i'm sure oh yes yes that is i mean congratulations first of all that's pretty thanks <laughs> that's there's not very many people that get to say i played on an iggy pop record no like no and they gave me so for my tracks they um they gave me a producer credit so you know look my, at that my publisher is really happy about that but um i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that know, tends to make publishers quite pleased <laughs> yeah yeah um but anyway so you know i think that'll be it'll be interesting to basically my my music opens the album and closes the album and all the in between is kind of more what you would expect from an indie pop album so it's gonna be really interesting to see what um what his audience makes of you know my soundscape stuff and see how it's received um but yeah so potentially it'll bring a you know a much different uh audience to to what i do hopefully that's the hope that's a, yeah that's a that's always yeah. the goal more people please yeah so I want to I want to dive back into the Facebook group because we do have some some pretty good okay. questions in here. Uh, one right. from our uh, I'm a mutual friend Philippe Herndon from Caroline Guitar asked a really good mm -hmm. question: Is yeah, is there any internal overlap between her identity as Sarah Lipstate and Noveller, or is there a moment when she transforms into Noveller, wh whether it be when writing, performing, or recording? Ah. Uh. That is a good question. Um, I, I like to, maybe I'm just kidding myself and thinking that they're separate, but um, I think that is why I chose, chose to have um, a moniker to perform under instead of just having everything be Sarah Lipstate to have some distinction. And, and, you know, uh, hopefully some kind of, um, uh, boundary there, right, <laughs> right, which right. is increasingly difficult with, you know, social media and just like the level of engagement that I personally like to have, um, with people, um, online and, you know, at shows, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be there like selling my own merch at the merch table and talking to people. And of course people come up after the show and want to talk about my pedal board. Like I'll <laughs> talk to people, you know, I, uh, I definitely put, make myself available in that sense, but I think that it's, I, there is a distinction and I definitely feel like when I'm on, Oh, Safi, hold on. Uh -oh. My cat just knocked my water bottle over. Oh no! And it went everywhere. Safi, now she's drinking the puddle of water that she made. I hope you're pleased with yourself. I feel like Safi. that was on purpose, like very on purpose, right now. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see how it is. You little jerk! There's a waterfall happening right now on my kitchen table. All right, we there can, we go. Okay, we can pause this. It's okay. We no, need... it's fine. I, 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 I uh. I fixed it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm leaving that um, in. So whatever. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, so, the boundaries get a little bit. I'm ass, uh, I'm assuming they get the lines get finer and finer every day. Is that kind of where you're you're going with that? Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's 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 been. Uh, I feel like I identify Noveller much more now as like my onstage persona mm -hmm. because what's happening now as I've gained more of an audience 
through my Instagram and talking about pedals and just sharing all of the process stuff is like people know me now from Instagram and my and all my social media is like my name. It's either at Lipstate, which is my Instagram, or on Twitter, I'm at Sarah Lipstate. So people now are like, oh, you're Lipstate. Like, you know, if I'm at NAM or something. Right. And people recognize me. So it's more like I've there is a further distinction drawn. Um so it's gotten to a point where sometimes I wonder when I'm posting stuff on Instagram about Novella, it's like, are people, do people even get that that's what I do? <laughs> that I'm not just someone who, you know, nerds out about guitar pedals. Like I have, I put records out and I tour, I do all this stuff. So it's very confusing. Even I get confused, but <laughs> I will say when I, when I am on stage and I'm, you know, building these guitar soundscapes, like I feel in that moment, that's definitely, you know, um, a whole different thing happening. So, um, we'll see. Ask me again in like five years. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll revisit this in five years. Well, hopefully sooner than that, but we can revisit this, you know, whenever. (laughs) So there was a really good question dropped that I, I personally don't even know if I could answer very well and i feel like for you it's mm. even more impossible but we're gonna try it anyway oh no yeah so what uh, is this question it's pretty why it's, didn't i know that people i should have looked on your facebook group i, I should have cheated i well yeah i mean i guess he could have <laughs> i didn't well, I, did. I probably could have told you about so now it now i'm <laughs> that would have been probably the nice thing to do i don't always remember to okay. to ask the group to for questions yeah because the last three times i have done that uh something's happened mm-hmm. and the guests had to cancel or reschedule or and, and oh, so i got like yeah very uh very what's the word superstitious where i even said i was like i don't know if i should do this because this is like sabotaged every podcast but mm-hmm. here at, here's some questions but and I as yeah. soon as we were having those technical difficulties before we started, yeah. I was like, I knew I shouldn't ask the freaking questions. The I just curse. knew it. The curse of the Facebook group. Yes, sorry guys, but uh, <laughs> so this is a this is a this is a question. I don't know how you're going to answer this, but we'll try it. So, mm-hmm. Emilio Rizzo, he wants to know if you could only use three pedals for a set, what would they be? Mm-hmm. Uh I like that question better than I, I hate it when people ask like what my favorite pedal is or favorite anything. I, 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 I don't like that. So three, that's a little more possible. Um, but I don't know. I think when I think about being restricted like that then i automatically want to go to like okay well like which pedals can do the most stuff (laughs) me too (laughs) um so of course the eventide h9 um i would use that because i could pretty much have that do whatever i needed in terms of delay reverb synth stuff Etc. And then the Zoya, which also feels like cheating. It's basically like with those two pedals, it'd be like having two laptops on your board. You know, it's like they, they yeah. can do so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, those are those so, are robust for sure. Yeah, and then I would need to have uh that. Well, and then and then it's a given. I would have to have my boomerang looper. So. This is weird. I feel like I could play a set with that. I'm mentally, I, I guessed your, I guessed your <laughs> so answers good. without like actually, yeah. actually thinking that. Like I was like, I bet it's gonna be the H9, the Zoya, and the Boomerang. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, there you go. I'm very, either very predictable or pretty transparent about. Um, yeah. Well, I kind of did this I... the same math you did. <laughs> I I got asked that question about four pedals here a few months ago and I was like, "Four? Don't yeah. be ridiculous. That's not enough pedals." And uh-huh. and so I did the same thing. I was like, "Okay, well, out of what I have, you know, what does the yeah. most?" And then I was like, "Well, she's got mm-hmm. a Zoya and an H9. Those do can do almost anything." So, yeah. Yeah, that's 
that's that's pretty versatile right there. And you could and it could be in stereo still. Exactly. Exactly. Still go in stereo, so good stuff. You know. Good stuff. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about Iggy and we talked a little bit about Sonic Youth early on. Who are some of your other influences? Yeah, so in terms of influences, uh, I love Robert Fripp. Uh, I love all the Fripp and Eno ambient records. Um, That's pretty much what I listen to on any given day. Just listen to a lot of that. Um, Glenn Branca is a huge influence on me and Reese Chatham. Just their recordings of the guitar ensembles and just hearing um, how powerful uh, the guitar can be. Mm -hmm. Um, That was just like a revelation to me. Um, So... Yeah, all that had a huge impact on me. Sonic Youth, um, you know, was was a big one. But yeah, uh, uh, um, and in terms of live performances that influenced me, I I saw when I was in college, I saw Nels Klein do a solo guitar set. Oh wow! With, that was like basically a like noise guitar solo set that was incredible um that had a huge impact on me early on um so uh those are definitely the big ones nels nels is something else like i like wilco you know like Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm not like a the biggest wilco fan on the planet but i definitely enjoy wilco but I caught yeah. them. I caught them live with some of my friends here a few years ago, and you know, obviously, I've watched Nels before. I know, I know what's up. When you know, with what that mm-hmm. guy does, but still, watching him live, just yeah. I mean, I could listen to like that impossible Germany solo is ingrained in my brain. Like that live performance of it that I witnessed. <laughs> like that's what i want to do i'm never going to be able to do it but that's what i want to do it's in Mm -hmm. that guy's one of the the best guitar players i've ever seen it's i totally yeah and catching him live is i think that's i've seen again i've seen it heard his recorded work i've watched a bunch of youtube videos but you catch Mm -hmm. him live and it's it's like breathtaking (laughs) it really is exactly so good yeah it was something to behold one thing I wanted to talk to you about is the Moon Canyon. That was quite a project. Yeah. How did that come to life? So, um, I guess I became acquainted with Dr. No um, in 2016 through, uh, that's when I was uh, supporting Iggy on tour. And at the time... Um, Dr. No was working with, uh, working on a signature pedal collaboration with Troy Van Leeuwen, um, who was, he plays, um, with Josh Homme and Dean in Queens of the Stone Age. And he was also playing guitar on that tour. So I guess when we play, Dr. No is based in the Netherlands. So we played in Amsterdam, maybe anyway. Um, that was how he became aware of my work and how I became aware of his stuff. Um, and he, uh, got in touch with me after the tour and said that he was interested in collaborating on a special pedal. Um, and he, he made several trips out to Los Angeles. Um, and that was when he brought me like the first prototype of the moon Canyon. Um, I think he came out once he was done with the, uh, with Troy's signature pedals, they ended up being two of those. So he like delivered them to Troy and then he brought me the prototype. So it was just, it was pretty cool for being this long distance <laughs> collaboration, you know, and, it was my first time collaborating in that way um, with 
with a pedal maker. So it was, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, a learning process for me. Um, but God, I mean, it's such a beautiful pedal. I was blown away with the design and, um, you know, he, everything's built by hand, even the, the box that it comes in, mm -hmm. it's this giant book like that's made by hand. Just it's, it was, it was really, um, um, yeah, I, I was so pleased with how everything turned out. I mean, um, there's a price tag that comes with <laughs> that level of, um, craftsmanship and just, how slow going the, the build process is. So of course, you know, uh, that's also something that I learned. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a super cool pedal. You know, I, I, uh, I use mine a lot. I use it on, um, the Iggy recordings for this, soundscapes that I created for the album um and I've used it when I've done kind of like workshop type things but I am a little afraid to like have it on my board and travel with it right <laughs> it's such an art piece it's, as well it is it's so beautiful like it hurt me so much to put velcro on the back of it or <laughs> <laughs> I, I did this workshop for um this Ableton uh convention um and of course, you know, I had to have it on there, but I was like, oh, it's like, yeah, it's like defacing a piece of art. Yeah, I understand. But anyway. Um, was there but, anything about yeah. the process that that kind of was eye opening about like the pedal building world? Was it like things that took you by surprise or was it all pretty much what you expected? Um. Well, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, um, <laughs> ah, dog. done with the bone. <laughs> yeah, she she's taking a break. She's taking a barking break. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see how ideas get uh, transferred into the realm of like what's possible and what's practical. Um, so, you know, up until this point, I believe everything that Dr. No created was all analog, um, analog delay. I don't think he had created any reverb pedals, but he did the mother brain analog delay. Um, obviously he's done a lot of drives and fuzzes and that type of thing. So, so for people who don't know the moon Canyon, it's one paddle, it has a overdrive circuit. It has um, a long reverb. It's a, a digital reverb and it has an analog sounding yet digital delay as well as an effects loop. Um, and since I, <laughs> I think I threw that in there kind of at the last moment was like, oh, I'm running a stereo board now, can you? put a stereo out. So it's not a stereo <laughs> out, but it's a dual mono, dual mono out. Um, so yeah, based on what I was asking for, he did kind of had to have to cross over from all analog into <laughs> the dirty wor world of digital. <laughs> um, dirty, dirty digital. <laughs> yeah. Dirty, dirty digital. But um but, you know, I think he took a lot of care to retain the um, analog characteristics. Um, so, like I said, with the delay, it is very, um, it's a very warm and analog-y um, digital delay. Um, so... You know, I, I guess that's compromise in a sense. Right. Uh, he was willing to meet me. And then, um, you know, I think when I look 
back on the project, I would say is more, you know, he took inspiration um, from when he came to visit in LA, he was able to, to see me perform live. Um, so just like taking inspiration from what I do and combine it with what he does and like craft a pedal that's kind of inspired by my work. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that's great. And I think, um, you know, I'm very, very happy with how it turned out and, you know, uh, would love to collaborate in in that world in in the future you know i think it's i don't yet have the skills to build my own pedals um but i have plenty of ideas so uh you know it's cool to make that partnership happen yeah and i i can relate to that <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm just swimming in ideas i've done a couple collabs uh with the podcast myself nothing Mm -hmm. nothing quite to that level though um yeah but i i just the more i got into the the reason i asked the question it was like there was so many things that i was like oh i didn't know that's why this is like industry standard or that's why this is the way this is Mm -hmm. done like there's been so many parts of that process that i was just because i'm not a builder either i was like oh oh that's why that stupid idea i had is not gonna work and why nobody's done it yet Mm -hmm. you know type of thing Mm -hmm. so I was uh, just curious to get your take on it as well. So that's interesting. Yeah. So we're getting down to the last couple minutes and I've got a couple questions for you that, uh, that are kind of a, they've become, they become staples. So I would love to get your take on it. Okay. Okay. So first one is what is your favorite boss pedal? Well, I don't do favorites, but there is only one boss pedal that, I still you own and use <laughs> okay <laughs> from uh many years ago um so I still have a place in my heart and on my pedal board for the boss PS5 ah specifically the the T arm mode okay um, so I set it down to two octaves and, um, so when you, when you hold down the foot switch, it'll just dive down this really nice glissando, um, down two octaves. And I've used that a lot in my, um, in my music on, uh, on recordings and uh so i recently just performed uh a song from an older album live for um a a video shoot i did with reverb they're making a a pedal documentary and they asked me to perform a piece of music um that's uh they want to open the whole film so I performed this piece of mine that fit like the, the, the mood and the description of what, what they wanted for this. Mm-hmm. And I had to break out the PS5 nice. for it. Yeah. Oh, so you're I like, talked about oh. it for that, for the documentary. It's pretty cool. You, you, so I went from kind of forgetting that the PS5 existed to it being mentioned yeah. so many times in this segment that I'm like, I'm going to go yeah. to like, as soon as you said that, I was like, I'm buying a PS5 today. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go find yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, I only one. use it in that mode, um, but it's just really, it's really great, and it's just you know something that it's it's a part of uh, some of my older pieces of music, and I just can't do it without that puddle. I mean, I could probably figure out a way, but I don't want to. And it's cool. It's like you know having an old friend come around. It's you know, it's. It's nice. Nice. Um, nice. Granted, I haven't owned a ton of boss pedals in my time. Um, but, you know, yes. You asked the question. There's my answer. There's the answer. Great. And I also want to yep. let the record show because the Reverb people told me not to talk about the pedal, the, the pedal documentary yet. I didn't say it. Sarah well, did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So the... Um, 
Michael Lux, he was in charge of this shoot. And afterward, he like posted a picture. He posted a couple of pictures oh. from the shoot and with like the tag pedal documentary. So I reposted it. I was like, oh, I guess it's cool to talk about it. No one yelled at me. Okay, good. So, all right. And well, he responded with, he responded because people were asking questions like, oh, when's this coming out? And he responded saying, you know, um, 2020 and, and whatever. So I think it's okay to talk about okay, it. Okay, good. All but right. feel free to just like, don't edit it out. Just like, um, bleep out the the mention of Ooh. it so people will be intrigued mm, maybe i will i'll think about i'll i'll, I'll <laughs> listen back to that and i'll say i played this piece for this boo yeah. people yes. think like wow, exactly they're not gonna know no no it's uh when they come they're supposed to come to portland and i'm supposed to be the i told them i'd be their chauffeur chauffeur and food guide when they when they landed yeah. so i'm really excited go. about that like really excited um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm really excited to watch your piece fun. too. That I did not know. So this is thrilling. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they hear this podcast, they might cut me out. I of, doubt you it. Know. I don't think so. But, I think you're good. um, I think you'll be safe. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. All right. So the next question, and this is, this is the one that causes the most hate and discontent on the whole show. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit controversial. But what kind of pizza do you like? Oh. People are not going to like my my answer. Um So, I will say I rarely eat pizza, but if I do, it's going to have a ton of vegan cheese, which I don't care. If it's weird and kind of gross, like I, I love it. Um, it's probably gonna have like a really gross cauliflower crust. Basically, it's not gonna be a pizza at all. Okay. <laughs> It'll be just like like a cauliflower crust with tomato sauce and a ton of vegan cheese. You're getting as close as you maybe can. Maybe like some uh, some sliced mushrooms. Or some peppers. You got to have some oregano. It'll be just a monstrosity. Um, I mean, it's just send all the hate mail directly my way. That's fine because I'm okay with it. She can I handle mean, it. She's got. She's strong. She knows. She can. It's it. it's fine. I embrace that. You know, I, that's just who I am now. I am like a cauliflower crust vegan cheese eating pizza. I'm doing air quotes right now pizza person so you know if you're happy about it that's really all that matters that's... i don't know if it makes me happy but it's just you know it's just who i am now okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that works that works for me yeah. all right well thank you for hanging out this has been really a treat uh i'm glad we finally were able to do this of course and i, I me, me too it was fun would you like to leave the the people with any thoughts where they can find you and all that jazz? Where you can find me. Um, you can find me. Uh, yeah. I think I mentioned it, but um, you can find me on Instagram posting about all kinds of nerdy stuff. You, you'll, you'll see pedals. You'll see my cat, my dog, guitars video clips of stuff I'm working on um, Instagram. I'm at lip state. Um, and yeah, you can probably find me other places as well, but um, I definitely engage the most on that platform. So we'll leave it at that. Perfect. That works for me. Yeah. All right, everybody for Sarah, this is Blake. And as always folks, good luck and good tones. All right, we did it. We did it. Thank you for tuning in. If for some reason you have never heard Sarah's music, please get the get yourself to the Google machine and fix that as soon as you can. If you are into all the stuff we talked about, you're going to like it. It's really, really good. Very unique. And uh, again, stuff that I try to do, but really badly. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty incredible to watch your work. So yeah. 
I think that's it for this week. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter for all the free pedals and all that stuff like we've talked about a million times. I won't rehash it here, but basically we have trivia that goes out to the mailing list and once a month there's an opportunity for people to win some free stuff. So don't forget about that and I think that's a, that's a pretty good place to wrap this up. So I will talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.